Welcome to ATBS, the podcast, where we drop weekly episodes for the curious, engaged, and open-minded among us. I'm your host, Jeff Volmerick, and I thank you for choosing to tune in. My guest today is a dynamic teacher, Taoist minister, master herbalist, licensed acupuncturist, an author, and a film producer. I met Pedram at a Qigong retreat he was teaching and hosting a few years back, and a whole new world of possibilities opened up for me that weekend. I'm pleased to welcome Pedram Shojai to the show today. Enjoy. Pedram, welcome to ATBS, the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Good to be here. We've been working on this for a little while, so I'm glad we, we've connected and things in your world have worked out and things in my world have worked out. Although we haven't seen each other face to face in a while, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, seriously. You're the neighbor I never see. <laughs> of course, you don't see anyone during COVID, which has made it all kind of weird. It sure has been an interesting time. I'm glad that in, in some ways, I'm really glad I have this podcast because it allows me to communicate with people and connect with people and have pretty meaningful conversations on a fairly regular basis. Totally. I certainly enjoy that. What's new and good in your world, Pedram? Oh, well, I've been hatching a lot of eggs. For me, being locked down didn't mean anything. Three, four books get written and published. One is yet to release and three series and a couple movies. So thank goodness we had a lot of... um a lot of footage in the can and my teams were able to edit and do what they do anyways. We really weren't able to film too much new stuff, but we made some moves around that as well. And I got to be dad, man. I got to hang out with my kids, deepen my relationship with my wife, ski. I think I've already skied 60 days this season and we're like, you know, we still got a ways to go. And so there's been a lot of blessings in this as well. Like I've had a lot of really good uh, work-life balance tweaks that have been upgrades to say the least. Well, yeah, that's great. At least from my experience, fairly common reaction or response to, you know, wow, deepening my relationships and kind of reevaluating. And in some way, I mean, there you go. You talked about books and movies and series, but connecting with family and connecting with the home, right? In the home base. It's been really good for a lot of people. Yeah, what a gift. I mean, talk about, you know, we, we were so spun out in the Western world and our value system has really been usurped by productivity and all the things that, you know, make money and pay bills. And, you know, the other side of that is, you know, divorce rates going up, you know, alienating our kids, addiction to all sorts of pain pills and other drugs and all these other, all these other markers in society were rising and it was time for some things to equalize. And, you know, Lord works in mysterious ways, I guess. So here we go. Pandemic fixed a few things. Yeah. And that's not to take anything away from the tragedy of it, right? And the, and all of the people that have passed and families that are left without, you know, with an extra seat at the table. But these things have happened before in the world, in the human history. And this is the first one in our lifetimes and pretty unique. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It took my um, 104-year-old grandfather like a month ago. And, you know, this guy's been through two world wars and everything in between. And finally, COVID is, you know, what took him. Something's got to take you, man. Something's got to take us all. Yeah. I mean, it swept through and it hit reset. And, you know, I lost a bunch of friends and family. So, yeah, there's nothing, you know, ungrim about it. But, you know, if you look at it on a macro level, it also helped us as a, as a society 
take a step back and think about what we're doing a little bit. And hopefully that kind of progresses into a new line of thinking going forward. Agreed. I think it, I've said many times to many different people that if we come out of this with a deeper knowing, a deeper appreciation for our interconnectedness as a global family, as an 8 billion member family almost, and our interconnectedness with the, all the systems you know around us in the universe, then there'll be lots of good that comes from it. Yeah, God willing, right? God willing. Or we just enter the the next roaring 20s and it becomes a decade of orgies and we forget all about it, right? <laughs> <You don't know. laughs> we have short memories, we humans, and selective memories as well. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We've been trained that way. And the attention economy just, you know, keeps our focus just so fickle. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if there's actually lasting change or improvement in any way. But on this side of that, you know, one can only hope. Yeah. One of my friends, and I've done a couple of episodes with him, used the phrase, what has changed for good and what has changed for the better. Hmm. Right. Which, you know, we don't know yet. We don't know. Well, I feel like, and, and I hope this isn't a closed loop in my own world where I only like to talk about the things that I like to talk about. Man, I came out here to Northern California and, you know, surrounded by people who are exploring regenerative farming techniques and regenerative economy around it. And so many, so many good things going on and people expanding their minds. And it feels like a different it feels like a different freaking planet sometimes. <laughs> but after being in Park City, where you and I both live, where houses are selling for exorbitant prices and people are moving in and everybody's kind of muscling their way onto the ski slope because that's what they feel like they need to do and get whatever is theirs, I guess, is one way to put it. And then to come out here where, you know, and it's, part of it is just a change of scenery, but the vibe is completely different. People are really trying to figure things out. Not that people in, you know, the Intermountain West are not, because I know you are and lots of people are, but it's good to move around and get a sense for what's going on in other parts of the country, certainly other parts of the world. Yeah. And you're also getting a sampling of kind of the coolest of what's happening over there. I know a lot of friends there. I've spent a lot of time up there. And there's also a very smug attitude about how right they are and how the privileged uh, Silicon Valley elites, you know, talking about all sorts of things about genetic superiority and all there's just, you know, there's schmucks everywhere and there's, <laughs> there's brilliance everywhere, right? So you just happen to be in a good place right now. Yeah, I'm in a good place. I'm I'm high in the Santa Cruz Mountains hanging out at a, uh, you know, basically hanging out at my friend Glenn, who's a, you know, 67-year-old hippie. Yeah, exactly. You know, just about perfect. Yeah, just drive down a mountain view or, you know, just go down to some cafe down there and you'll get some Google guy who thinks he's God because, you know, he figured out an algorithm and that guy's also there. It's just the juxtaposition of all things human right now is there are a lot of people trying to do good and there's a lot of people trying to, you know, better themselves. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing time, right? You could, you could be whoever you want to be. Yeah, exactly. And you can be wherever you want to be. I was going to say, you could drive down to Five Seeds in Park City and experience the same thing. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. There's there's some people down there who think you know whatever they may think, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I can tell you that I'm not driving down the hill to to the cafe to see what those knuckleheads are saying. I'm right up here and all is well. California, interestingly, first place you and I met, Southern California. I came to one of your weekend retreats a couple of years ago. Remember those retreats with people? <laughs> yeah, oh, a big room full of people. 
for three days, two and a half, three days. Wow. No masks. Yeah. I look forward to that again. And then I came back out to another one that you held in Irvine, but two different weekend, two and a half plus day Qigong workshops. And man, it lit me up. It has been a very, a wonderful change in my life. So I can say thank you for sure. Deep heartfelt thank you. Thank you for doing the work. That's the thing about Qigong is I can't hand it to anybody. I could just show it to people and then they got to do it. The people who do it, their lives transform more than nine times out of 10. Their lives transform and it's just the gift that keeps on giving. But someone who takes that on has already kind of stepped through the pill for an ill model and realizes that the answers aren't going to be handed to them. They're going to have to, you know, fish for them. And Qigong is just that, you know, you're at, at the bottom of every breath is a little bit more connectivity and resolution and vitality, but it's yours for the finding, right? It's yours for the mining. And so it's, it's just, to me, that's my true healthcare job. It's the only healthcare job that remains after I left medicine as a business, right? Is teaching people how to not need it anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is just wonderful. Where are you in that? You know, I mean, I'm, there haven't been any retreats. I, there was one scheduled for last spring, like April at Snowbird that I was looking forward to. And, you know, that obviously went by the wayside. Yeah. I mean, we're actually back on the books for August. Don't ask me the specific dates. And, you know, I already told them, I'm like, look, if there's 10 people in the room, I'm fine with it. It's when people's comfort level comes back. Like I'm vaccinated now. I'm ready to go. I know a lot of people will be vaccinated by then or, have, you know, antibodies from exposure. And so, you know, we're opening the doors back up to in-person training. Like I did, a, I moved a bunch of stuff online just to, you know, keep people connected with the work, but nothing, and you you know, you could attest to this, nothing, nothing replaces in-person direct transmission and, you know, just the way the stuff has been taught for 6,000 years. Yeah, but August, we're finally back on. I, I had this call with my COO this morning and I'm like, look, I don't, I don't care if the numbers aren't where we're used to having them. I just want to start the show again because I, I love this. And, and he, he was actually trying to talk me out of it because financially it's not a thing, but to me, it's one of my favorite things to do is to be in a room with real people and teach them how to breathe and move. Yeah. And the COO has that job to do, right? Like, well, Pedram, that's not going to make any money. Why would we do that? Yeah. Yeah. I could do the same thing in front of a camera and make millions of dollars and scale it. And so he's like, why, why do you insist on being that guy? And I'm like, look, it doesn't have to make business sense. It's, it's what, it's the right thing to do. So let's keep doing it. So let's dig in there a little bit. You have said uh, numerous times with certain aspects, I think it's the Dao Tan Pai, right? Like your master, your teacher said no video. Yeah. Yeah. For that particular lineage, he was very adamant about it. He said, you're not allowed to video this and it has to be taught through direct transmission. You know, that was the parting wishes of an old man before he died. So I have never videoed anything, you know, none of the complete sets, there's multiple levels and all of it. And none of the abbots, none of the, the lineage holders do it because we want to honor the wishes of the grandmaster who died, I don't know, several years ago now, but he specifically looked me in the eyes and told me this. Right. And that has weight, right? That has, that means a lot. We live in a world where not everybody's going to go along with that, right? Like people are going to take advantage, but... Sure. But I mean, aside from personal ethics and just, you know, obviously having integrity, this guy visits me in dreams and teaches me stuff all the time. Like you're going to cross a wizard, you know, dead or alive, you're in trouble. Right. Right. 
Yeah. (laughs) Don't cross the wizards. Don't cross the wizards, man. They, they, They can zap you from anywhere. Thank you for listening to All Things Big and Small, ATBS, the podcast. My name is Keith Gorman, good friend of Jeff Vollmerich's. Jeff's doing some wonderful things. I encourage you to become a patron. Go to atbs.com and click on the patron link. Now back to the program. Can we go back a little bit, Pedram, and go, your life's path has been really fascinating. I have some good, pretty good sense for it, but I think it's really worth sharing. So where you started, how you got into Qigong, when you disengaged from certain things and went and did other things. Can you give us the tour of Pedram? Yeah, sure. I'll go long story short, obviously, because it would take a long time. But the, the essence of the crack was Iranian Revolution. I was born in 75, 78. We were refugees, born Muslim. So it wasn't religious refugees, but kind of political. My dad did work with the Shah and was on the wrong side of that equation. And so lost everything, came over here, started over. You know, when you're an immigrant kid in that era, you're either going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. And so sometime around high school, I figured out that getting good grades wasn't as hard as, you know, dealing with all the excuses I had to come up with for why not. And so I just, I started getting straight A's. I became ranked number one in my high school, went straight to my university of choice. I was going to be a doctor. Then I started interning with doctors and was like, wow, this guy's life sucks. And, you know, just, I had um, a few very powerful moments where, you know, I was interning in the pain medicine center and they were just putting people on morphine and, you know, look, you get your angels, they teach you what you're supposed to see. I just happened to be, you know, interning with a guy that wasn't happy and painted reality in a way that bounced me, if you will. And I remember, I mean, it's like, look, when you live in a declarative culture and you're, you know, saying you're going to be a doctor and you've worked your whole life to get that thing, and then you're having second thoughts about it, it's it's a scary time. And I remember, no, I, I never grew up religious because, you know, my uncles and several family members were executed in the name of God, right? In the Islamic revolution. So my parents were like, that ain't God. Like, you, know, you go find it yourself, but we're not holding you to any of that crap. And so I remember asking God, I'm like, hey, yo, if you're up there, I could sure use a, a hint or a clue right now. And a book fell out of a bookshelf. And that's not supposed to happen, right, in reality, in this reality. And so I, I picked it up, and it was a book on Taoism and this Taoist master leading his disciples across a raging river. And it was just like weird Jedi stuff. But because I had enough, you know, wherewithal to take that as an omen, right, I, I read the book that night, found a Taoist school. A couple of days later, I was visiting it. I dragged a buddy of mine with me. And it was in North Hollywood. I was in Venice or, you know, just whatever. It was, it was within proximity to where I lived. The teacher was teaching this class, busy, you know, a bunch of students out there on the floor, stops, turns around, walks across the entire school, walks by my buddy, looks me straight in the eyes and goes, welcome, I've been expecting you. I'm like, man, this is weird. Um, I, oh, uh, hi. You, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I wasn't like a mystically oriented guy. You know, I was just a guy, you know, and I was, I played basketball and got good grades and, you know, smoked pot once in a while. Like I just, I wasn't, that wasn't my thing. 
But then I started studying with this guy because it made sense. And I was doing 30, 40 hours of Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Qi Gong, Bagua, Xing Yi, a bunch of stuff I couldn't even pronounce, right? And I just started, I, I like jumped in. And it turned out he was the first non-Chinese student of the great grandmaster who escaped China. Basically, my grandmaster, the old man who forbade us from videotaping, He's visiting some other monastery at the time when the communists showed up to his temple, burned it down, killed everyone they could, imprisoned the rest of them, and that was the end of it, right? Let's, you know, welcome to the Cultural Revolution. And so he was like, you know, spared, you know, and they chucked him onto a boat and smuggled them over to Chinatown, San Francisco. And then eventually he made it down to Chinatown, LA, and then he started teaching my teacher. And so suddenly I'm pulled into this lineage without a physical temple and the express wishes of the grand master was to revive the lineage in those worthy students here in America. And so I just got pulled into this monastic training. I became a monk. I studied for four years under this monastic program, but I mean, I still study with them, right? Like I, I'm still, I'm in the lineage. I became a, a minister, then a priest, then an abbot. Like I'm, you know, I'm like up there with the old guys now. <laughs> And I just got pulled into this thing that just kept making more and more sense. And then, you know, I, I switched at some point in, in the middle of that story slash journey. I transitioned to Oriental medicine because it was the perfect complementary system to all the Taoist Kung Fu and the Qigong and the training I was already involved in. So I became a doctor of Oriental medicine and, you know, came back from sabbatical. To, well, I was in the Himalayas. I studied with the Dalai Lama, the Karmapa Lama. Like I, I, you know, I went around for a while. Came back, started a practice, and you know that was the beginning of my urban monk days, where I was no longer an ascetic, but I was tasked to live in the world and bring what I had learned here onto planet Earth. I'll tell you, man, it's a lot easier being a monk off in a monastery just doing that stuff, then trying to bring that and integrate it into Los Angeles, California. That's when it got real interesting. Yeah. I remember you said that along the way where it's not that difficult to do it when you're in a monastery and there's no distraction. Oh yeah. Just, you know, I opened my practice, you know, it just grew fast. I had quarter million dollars. Of, uh, I think I like, it was a quarter million a month in payroll and, you know, Blue Cross and Medicare and all these guys, you know, are always messing with your money and, you know, holding checks back. And I immediately found what practices actually helped with stress right? Because I suddenly had an exorbitant amount of stress. I mean, real stuff, like I can't pay my people stuff, right? And so, you know, I, I was put through a two-year pressure cooker of, you know, hey, does this monk shit actually work, right? And what what remained was only what worked because I had no time for stuff that didn't. Yeah. To bring it around to, you know, real life here in this part of the world, distill it down to you know, the essence of, of what really works, the no bullshit stuff. That's it. That's it. And so, you know, and like even coming down, like even my first book was still pretty lofty and kind of airy fairy, you know, spiritual. The more I lived in the world and reintegrated and became an urban monk, the more I just became a hundred percent no nonsense because a guy living a life as big as mine now, you know, I run a film studio. I have, you know, I have big businesses. I run stuff. I don't have time for any BS. 
I really don't. And I understand all these CEOs and execs and all these people that came to me wanting help. And it's like, oh, you should meditate four hours a day. Yeah, right, buddy. Thank you. Right? It's like, how, how do I fix this now? And then how do I kind of adjust this to be able to live better? But I can't do what you did. So don't recommend that. Right. That's almost like the other end of the spectrum from the, what I need is a pill, doc. What I need is something I can take every day and it'll solve my problem versus do this for four hours, which is untenable. Yeah. Can't do it in today's world. Yeah. And, and so you start finding the middle ground, right? Which is like, all right, you do this for 15 minutes and, and these are the ways you optimize during the day. This is how you take mini breaks. This is how you maximize efficiency by, you know, through diet, exercise, sleep, all these areas where you can kind of drum up some vitality and clean up your act a little bit and then start saying no and creating space in your life for some of the juicier things, right? But you can't do that when someone's in the whitewater. They're just trying to get oxygen. Can we talk about Qigong as a, like I, I mentioned it to my host here, my friend Glenn. I said, I'm going to record a podcast with a friend of mine. And I told him where we met and what we were doing. And he said, give me the grief on that. So there again was an example of a guy who'd not heard of it. He'd not heard of Qigong. What it, and, you know, can you tell me what that is briefly? And, you know, I do my best, so, but it would, it's nothing compared to your explanation. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'll do my best. The literal translation is energy work. And so it's Chinese energy yoga practices and not necessarily Chinese. The Koreans have it, the Japanese have it. So it's energy yoga practices. It looks like Tai Chi. Most people have heard of Tai Chi. Tai Chi is a martial art that is based on Qigong principles. And what you're doing is you're using the coordination of eyes, mind, body, and breath to bring the entirety of your being back together and bring your awareness back into your body so that you could retroflect your attention and allow for your consciousness to start illuminating and lighting up all the dark areas and the shadowy spots that you're not willing to look at. So you wake up and come whole. And what it does is it helps you activate the energy systems around your organ systems through the traditional Chinese meridians and, you know, several other kind of pathways that, you know, just basically clear out the gunk and get your system firing on all cylinders and then moving more and more energy, like, you know, it's called the profit, if you will, off the top into your awareness and your spiritual centers. And you start becoming more conscious, more aware more vibrantly alive in your mental operating system. And then you become more connected with all the life around you and realize the enormity of this thing called life that we've been taken for granted. Mm. Thank you for that. Thank you for that um, description. You know, it's super helpful because a lot of people just don't know. I like to say on, on many different subjects, you know, we just don't know what we don't know. So before we start pointing a finger at somebody and say, geez, how can they possibly do that? You might just say, well, they just don't know. And if we can help, I don't mean to sound you know, like I can solve all the problems, but if as individuals we can spread the word, we can help others, you've got a lot of outlets for that, you know, books and movies and series and things like that. I've got a podcast for that and conversations that I have with people. And so then my next question, I guess, on the Qigong front is... From my experience, there are a lot of different sets. It's hundreds, if not thousands, I, I don't really know. And a lot of different lineages. And, you know, so if somebody's listening and they're like, well, that sounds interesting, you know, I don't want, really want to practice yoga and I don't really want to meditate, but I'd like to get my head around 
Qigong that they, you know, Jeff and Pedram were talking about, you know, where do you, where do you direct people? Because they can't all come see Pedram. Not everybody can come to a workshop. You know, I hope people who are interested do, and we'll talk about that, but you know, where do they go? Where do you point them? How, how do people get started? It's tough. I'd say gold standard is, you know, the old Google now. It's like, you know, it used to be called a phone book, but just see if there's any local classes in your community because direct transmission is always best, right? I actually tell people who want to study with me, I'm like, that's cool, but see if you can find a local teacher too, right? The things to watch out for there is there's just a lot of like weird culty crap and it's like people trying to be gurus and like follow me and, you know, everything I say is right and, you know, my shit don't stink. So just make sure it's a humble person who's just there to teach, right? And you'll get that vibe. But if you get a creepy vibe, walk away. You know, there's good people in every tradition and there's people that are just, you know, weirdos. So just, you know, if your weirdo bells don't go off, then then you're probably okay. And then, you know, look, there's, there's videos and stuff out there. There's videos on YouTube. I have a bunch of like online resources in my temple grounds for people who are like doing remote training. We did a ton of that with, um, you know, with COVID in particular. I have there as a supplement for students. And then I say, hey, listen, if you could, you know, if you live in the States, come see me at some point. If not, find a local teacher, right? And so I think there's a lot of merit. It's much more teacher dependent than lineage dependent. It's like, well, I heard Shaolin Buddhism is the path. And you're like, yeah, but you know, the best teacher for that is 2000 miles away and you have a good Tai Chi teacher in your town. So I think that's probably where you start, right? And so I would say just find a good ethical, clean teacher and start there. And then the path presents itself and it'll just, you know, you'll follow the breadcrumbs to where you're supposed to be, but starting is the biggest challenge, right? Just start. Yeah. You mentioned the temple grounds, the urbanmonk.com. I have access to the Urban Monk Academy, to the temple grounds, because I've been to workshops and I've paid for the privilege. The urbanmonk.com is where people can go to find what you're offering, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And that by no means, you know, says that I'm the only guy in town or any of that. There's plenty of really good teachers. That's just my stuff. But what we did is we went to great lengths to record them with high quality video. So it's like, you could see what the left hand is doing and the right foot is doing and all the things that are really important and why I emphasize, you know, local instruction and a good teacher is because it's really easy to kind of bullshit your way through the movements and get it wrong. And there are subtle nuances that are important in how your energy runs. So you want to get it right. Yeah. I found that in the workshops, one of those challenges is knowing, you know, is it an in-breath or an out-breath when I'm doing X, Y, or Z? And you want to get that right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the breath is even harder to monitor for a teacher, but like, you know, you could be practicing something off a of video and think you got it and be doing it wrong for two years and build muscle memory. Whereas, you know, when someone's walking around, they're like, no, here, move this arm here. And so you have this, like, you know, this human, human interconnected biofeedback mechanism of teacher student relations that help kind of calibrate and correct things so that you don't develop bad habits. And so what I say to all my online students is, Hey, you're the only person watching you right now. So be meticulous, do it in a mirror, get it right. Hey, do I look like the guy in the video right now? Because it's very easy to kind of brush over the intricacies and the nuances and just be like, yeah, 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 I got it. Okay. Tai Chi check. Qigong check. Right. And it's not that easy. It takes practice. 
I can attest to it. Yeah, I mean, it's specifically designed to lasso your awareness and make it hyper-focused on very small, minute nuances so that you could hone your focus. And we come from a world where our focus is splintered and our attention is being, you know, pilfered by the apps and the TVs and everything. And so the one thing you're trying to train is the one thing that you lack during your training. And so it becomes very meta. It's train your focus. You have to stay focused. And so without a teacher there bringing you back into the room, it's very easy for you to, you know, just get distorted and kind of, you know, wander off mentally or even physically, right? It's like, hey, you know what? There's a bag of chips. I'm done. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> something shiny. That's it. That's it. Well, that's, I mean, that's a super helpful walkthrough because I said before we turned on the microphones that, yeah, you know, when people listen to ATBS, the podcast, I'm hopeful that they hear something that lights them up. And not everybody's going to be lit up by every episode, but there certainly are going to be some who go, oh, Qigong, I know Jeff's talked about that. Now he's talking to the guy that he learned it from. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and my life has changed for sure. You know, I've done a lot of things, but that's certainly one of them. As I always do, I put in the show notes, we'll put, uh, you know, resources and, and websites and things like that. We'll make sure your Urban Monk website is up there. And then, and then for the listeners, you know, it sounds like you're going to get back into the in-person weekend workshop, weekend retreat business, which, you know, as you said, you're, the powers that be within your organization say, Pedram, why would you do that? It doesn't make any money, but you have better reasons to do it. And that's going to start in August. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting back up in August. And, you know, there's certain things that you do in your business that are just around the core philosophy of why you do what you do. And so for me, it's like, well, listen, you know, the films are profitable. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's keep doing what it is that I have been tasked to do, not just by my lineage. It's just part of, you know, who I am. And I just, I enjoy humans, right? I enjoy meeting them. I enjoy, you know, interacting and, and, and helping them and watching them light up. And it's a big part of it for me. So yeah, August, we're, you know, the show's back on the road. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I used to, I used to travel a lot and do them. And my deal with my wife moving here to Park City was, look, I've, I've now in a destination resort town. So I'm just going to hold the retreats in beautiful places right here so that I don't have to have, you know, 12, 15 more nights a year away from my wife and kids, which also keeps my lifeguard in balanced in, in that capacity, right? Like every minute dad's away, there's a price to pay psycho-emotionally, all of it. And so how do I curate my life to serve more people and not disrupt my family life? Well, this is it. Yeah. So workshops are coming back online. Again, we'll put that stuff on uh, into the show notes so people can find that. And so what are some of the other things like, you know, it's, it's real easy to, I mean, you're not the kind of guy, at least in my experience, who, you know, jumps in here and just starts with an infomercial about Pedram and all the things that you have and that you've done and that you offer. And part of my job is to, is to root some of that out. Um, so the projects that you've been working on, like it actually, Better yet, here's a better question. Let's say a broad overview of, you know, what directs you, what provides you with direction as far as, hey, look, I think we ought to do a docu-series on this subject, or I think we ought to do a, a full-length feature on this problem, or I think the world could use a book on X. Like, what's your magnetic north? Yeah, that's a great question. 
Some of it is gut-driven. Some of it is data-driven. They kind of meet in between. You know, we do a lot of surveying of our audience, our existing students. We've got thousands of students in the academy. We've got thousands of subscribers to Whole TV. So we're, we're obviously always asking. It's a two-way street of like, hey, what keeps you up at night? Well, you know, what are, what are the problems that are, you know, not being solved in your life? And, you know, we help direct our ongoing content to serve and support those people. But then there's just huge, big, big uh, meta world problems that are happening. And, you know, like this latest one, trauma, Nick and I felt very strongly that trauma was kind of this underlying epidemic that was at the root of a lot of the, you know, kind of socio-political issues that we've been witnessing for the last couple of years. And so, you know, say sight unseen, you know, basically against any sort of data analytics or any of the, you know, bean counter advice, we just announced we're doing it before our teams even like vetted it as a subject matter because it was important to us and we didn't care, right? Like this is a problem that we need to solve. And so let's go get after it and do it. I mean, so, but the other ones, it's like interconnected. It's about gut health. And then it led to oral health because it was kind of like, you know, so a lot of these projects lead into each other. And we have a, a roadmap of the next like four or five years of kind of big anchor flagship projects, if you will, but we've started doing a ton of original content now around all these kind of like little micro areas where people are suffering. Like we got one on functional stretching, a whole show on functional stretching an hour a week, just because most people who say they'd like to exercise can't because their bodies get in the way because they're all clunky, but you know, into their thirties and forties. And so we're helping solve micro problems that are macro problems for the intended audience. And then we're also trying to solve macro problems that a lot of people don't even think they have like trauma. So it's a bit of uh, it's a bit of yin and yang, right? A bit of gut and a bit of data, and somewhere in between is what it's, ends up on our rosters. What is your most recent release? Is it the docu series on trauma? Yeah, uh, we're just coming out of that right now. So the baby's you know still getting wiped wiped off, like it's just got born, and we have a replay weekend, and you know just a couple other nuances with that, and then it's out in the world. Then I have a, a film I did with Robert Kiyosaki called The Great Heist that comes out Mayish, all about money and how to think about money and how we were never trained to. Money's everything. It's the number one stressor. It's killing all of us, yet no one even knows how to think about it in a way that you know, helps with affluence. I thought that was a really big, uh, important subject matter for our audience because they you know, say money isn't important, but then you know, the bills come due. Isn't that funny? And then we have one on conscious parenting coming in September. The next major kind of film I think we're going to do is going to be on being in awareness. It's going to be kind of an urban monk flavored one that'll you know be sometime later next year. Everything's a little bit bumpy right now just because it's hard. You can't really produce. It's very hard to send crews out to produce. And that's why we've done a lot of local We've, you know, taken over a lot of time over at Park City Television and are doing a lot of, you know, original content in studio because I could control it and make sure people aren't dying of COVID. Getting out there has been really tough. I think it will be for another six months. It seems like there's light at the end of the tunnel, but we are not out yet. That's it. That's it. You know, on that subject, it it feels like, yeah, okay, let, we're, we're coming down the... I don't know if we can call it the home stretch, but you know, we've come this far. Let's, let's keep our shit together. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Don't, don't trip on the last mile. You know, it's, we, we, and I, like I said earlier, I think before the call, like I just got off my second dose of the vaccine 
And man, the way I felt for about 24 hours, if that was just the vaccine, I do not ever wish COVID on anybody. Like that sucked. It's nasty. You know, it's like people, I've had a number of people die in my life, including, you know, close family members. And so I knew it was real. And then I got the symptoms for 24 hours, just chills and fever. It was just, it was just miserable. And so not everyone has that experience, but man, it ain't fun. I could tell you that. I know I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want COVID. I think I do want the, uh, I do want the vaccine. So where do people, of course, we'll put this in the show notes, but like, what's the best place to keep track of what's going on in, in Pedram's world books and docuseries and feature lengths and all that stuff? So the way it's basically, I sold well.org last year. And so I have now, you know, gotten as focused as I can between my worlds. And so my books and my training and like my, my, you know, online learning courses and all live at theurbanmonk.com. And then all of my films, my series and original content and all that lives at whole.tv, whole TV. And so I have like my film and television on one side, then I have my kind of PDEV and books on the other. And between those two worlds, you know, keeps me plenty busy. No, that's great. Because I want people to be able to find, you know, what you're doing. Like, this is one of my goals. I've got a bunch of little projects going on within the podcast that there are lots of people doing really, really spectacular work and people don't know about it. <laughs> you guys are in the business of, of spreading the word, right? You put together a project, you want people to find it. Yeah, that's a big job. It's a heavy lift. It's hard. The mind share is, you know, think about what people are actually being broadcast with and to is, you know, it's like, oh my God, Kanye and, and Kardashian are getting a divorce. It's like the most trite, ridiculous things that are getting a lot of the airtime. And look, I'm not complaining because we get millions of viewers and, you know, thank God. But if you look at kind of mainstream media, it's all just about numbing yourself with entertainment and not waking up to who you are or what's going on. It's a trough. It's set up to feed the sleeping masses. Right. It's a closed loop system, right? Like it's the confirmation bias is everywhere and people listen to what and, and look and watch and they become habituated to it. You know, people, as you well know, you know, people become addicted to cortisol. I need to watch that shit because I don't know what I would do if I wasn't feeling the way I feel all, all ramped up in, in fight or flight. That's where I live. And it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you spend your time in your life, that getting out of it and seeing something else, feeling something else and shaking yourself loose, it ain't easy. It doesn't matter what your preference is. And that's part of the challenge we're facing right now is beyond the confirmation bias and, you know, the selected media channels and all that is, you know, we've all dug in to who we think we are. And the question of who am I isn't being asked by the masses. And so, you know, it is making concrete, illusory identities and, you know, drawing battle lines around complete nonsense because none of these people are even asking the right questions. They're being told who to be. They're, they think they know who they are. And then they defend that to the grave, right? And so for anyone who's in the business of trying to, you know, help people or, or get some global transformation, there are some really, really interesting mind control, psionic warfare phenomenon that have um, gotten much more sophisticated uh, since the time of the Roman Catholic Church taken over 
that we got to deal with, right? There are a lot of mimetic viruses and just some crazy stuff happening, man. Yeah. Agreed. Fascinating. People are going along and they, and they don't really know how to wake up, but if we can provide them with a little something and nudge in, in a direction or pique some interest, then shit, then I think we're doing a pretty good job. That's it. That's all we can do, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you know, these practices are designed to wake you up. And so, you know, the intended result is something that ends up making for better humans because, you know, you could talk about, you could geek out about the neuroscience and all the parts of the brain that it activates, but areas that are responsible for higher moral reasoning and rational thought, negation of impulses. So it's just, it literally brings us out of the monkey mind and the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex. And, you know, there are a lot of very powerful things that these practices do that are really kind of gold standard medicine, if you think about it in terms of functional medicine, suppressing NF-kappa B pathways, you know, pushing to parasympathetic dominance. There's all, all these things that have been proven to happen with Qigong, mind-body practice and meditation, but you don't really hear about it because you can't put it in a pill and sell it. And, you know, everyone thinks to themselves, yeah, well, no one's going to do that stuff because they're lazy. So then they try to like find another way to, you know, feed a product to somebody instead of going like, wait, hold on a second. You just told me the answer and you just assume I'm too lazy to go do it. Screw you. I'm just going to go do this, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> circumvent all that crap. How do you feel about where we are in, you know, human history, maybe specifically in this country? I mean, obviously there are a lot of things going on that always good and bad. It feels to me, and I've talked to some people various people, it feels like there are more humans interested in self-discovery and awareness and becoming more awake. I don't, I don't like the word woke. I don't think it covers it, but you know, do you think we're on the cusp of something? Like it, it feels to me like we are moving in the right direction. Clearly there are plenty of ways that we're not, but as a species, I think it, it feels like people are waking up. Yes. And God willing, it, it sustains. I feel it. There's been a crack in the concrete. I think we've had a couple big scares because climate change happens so haphazardly across different regions of the planet. And because we have such like short-term memory, we don't really put two and two together to be like, oh shit, the planet's melting. Right. And so we're not seeing that as a wake up call yet, but COVID was a good like kick in the pants. I think some of the political upheaval has been a kick in the pants and, you know, people are starting to realize that, you know, something ain't right. Where that leads us, I don't know, but it has opened the door to a lot of opportunity to help people wake up and, and kind of come to their senses more. And I'm seeing a lot more people showing up in these communities and forums and courses and, and things that is, you know, it's encouraging. Yeah. There's a curiosity out there that even if, you know, people aren't totally in, they don't know which way to turn. It feels like there's a, a growing curiosity to, like you said, show up in a forum or show up in a conversation or do some research. And so, yeah, it's, and it, it is encouraging. I like, I like the word. There is a dark side to that, though, is there are a lot of false prophets and bad gurus out there. 
And when people fall into the traps, the, to the flypaper that they've let out, they end up in all sorts of weird culty shit and they end up, you know, being disheartened or they end up having, you know, sex with the guru and, you know, just all kinds of really bad things happen in the spiritual communities as well. So just use your discernment if you're listening to this, you know, trying to find some thing is, you know, there's a lot of bright, shiny objects everywhere on planet earth that's mm. how planet earth is set up and so just use your discernment and if something gives you a creepy feeling it's probably because it's creepy <laughs> well i love the word you know discerning and discernment it carries a lot of weight like no it's our responsibility to be discerning and then the other thing is everybody's antennae i think are deployed at some level some you know, are way out there and, and are really, you know, receiving a tremendous amount of information. But to your point, if it feels creepy, it probably is. And we have that sense yeah. if we listen. Yeah. You don't have to be a great grandmaster of some lineage to have a gut feeling about something. And it's the ones who don't listen to it that get in trouble. So just listen to that gut feeling. If something doesn't feel right, walk away. Yeah. Explore, be curious, experience, you know, keep your eyes wide open, be discerning and, you know, be open to new experiences and, and new ways of healing, which thank you for going back a ways in this conversation to bring us through the Pedram experience of life, what you've done. And, you know, now, as you've said in these workshops that I've been in, like, look, this is the best way I know of to teach people to take good care of themselves. <laughs> and to find health, right? It makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many things you can do. At the end of the day, the individual has to step in and be an active player in their own health and vitality. And there are tried and true systems that have been doing that for 6,000 years. And, you know, I think we live in a culture where everyone's looking for the 2.0 or 3.0 of meditation, but meditation 1.0 is what's been proven to work. Right. And right for 6,000 years, maybe we don't need to, you know, biohack our way into some sort of improvement. And, you know, like I, a lot of these active debates with my colleagues is like, I don't like the apps. I don't. It's like practicing idolatry. It's like saying, oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't meditate without my headspace and my phone's not charged. It's like, that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> mm, well said. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Some of these things are so simple. And I love the fact that you just said that, right? Like, we don't need to hack them. We don't need to improve upon them necessarily, but you do need to do the work. That's it. Well, that that's the thing that I think is the underlying deep, dirty, dark secret behind all these hacks and improvements is the advertising industry knows that people are inherently lazy. All they really care about is getting laid and getting paid. And everything else is, I just want a shortcut. So they're all trying to sell sugar cereal to children. And they're all trying to sell uh, noon improved. You don't have to work. All you got to do is put these you know, earbuds in and, and find enlightenment. And, and it's just a whole crock of bullshit. And so there's an entire industry, even in the self-help development, personal development space, that's catering to that. Because unfortunately, that's all that sells because everyone is just looking for a shortcut. What if there's no shortcut? The answer is you got to take care of yourself. And the answer is the more you do so, the more your life finds meaning, purpose, vitality, and richness. And all the shortcuts are, you know, the devil's work. It's just, it's not how it's supposed to be. I've said this so many times on my, on this, this podcast where I comes to a point where something is said, some nugget is dropped, 
where I'm like, well, I can't add to that, <laughs> right? What you just said, look, it's, you got to do the work. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that's the message, right? Like we have to be active participants in this game of life. Yeah. And that means a lot of different things. It isn't just sitting around meditating. As you said, you just can't do it. There's life and there's family and there's commerce and the economy and and dollars and rent and bills that need to be paid and responsibilities. But we have to be captains of our own ship and take responsibility, you know, revel in the agency of self. Yes. Well said. Show up is actually one of the active titles that we're looking at for that next PDEV movie because it's really the crux of all of it is you got to show up. You got to show up in your own life for yourself, your family, your community, for the planet, all of it. But showing up starts with showing up for yourself with every decision you make every moment of your life. And everything in all of the media messaging has a lot to do with pulling us away from that agency which is a spiritual malady that has infected the planet. You have to show up. I love it. Pedram, thank you for spending your time with me on ATVS, the podcast. I got a big smile on my face and a big swelling heart, and I love having the conversation, man. It's good to spend an hour with you. So great. I can't believe I moved to your town only to do a podcast across two states. (laughs) Still not seeing (laughs) your face. I'll take it. It was great. It was wonderful hanging with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And as we said, it seems like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. We'll get there and we'll we'll see each other. And I haven't done much skiing this year with this whole pneumonia thing, but hey, I'll come find you. I know where to find you. When it's good to see people and get close, I'll, I'll come find you. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of ATBS, the podcast with my guest, Pedram Shojai. I encourage you to check out all that Pedram is up to at theurbanmonk.com. Please support this independent podcast any way that feels good to you. And until next time, be smart and be safe. Peace.